Morning, church. It's rumbling and raining out there, but you have chosen to be here, so well done. I'm glad that you're all here this morning, glad that we can worship our risen Christ together. This is going to be our last week on our series on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, We do have one more line that I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. However, I preached on that a few months ago, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share that sermon, and then you're also going to kind of hear that on Easter in a couple weeks anyways, so we're not going to... We're not going to double dip there, but I'll make sure and share it this week, so if you missed that sermon, you can catch up, and and it might be good to hear again, because there's a lot going on with the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. Now, next week starts a very important week in the life of the church, so I want to take a minute and invite you guys to be a part of that. So next Sunday is Palm Sunday, so this is when we celebrate the radical moment when Jesus came into Jerusalem knowing that he would die on the cross for us. So we're going to talk about that next Sunday. And the kids will wave the palms, but also think about what it means for the same people to be shouting Hosanna by the end of the week or shouting crucify him. Then on Wednesday, Joy is going to lead a Seder meal, which we'll get to experience what Passover was like. So everybody needs to come, but make sure you register so we have plenty of food for you. And this is, this is for the whole family, so bring the kids. This Passover is, of course, where the Spirit of God passed over the Jewish people, but freed them from their slavery to the Exodus, and then they celebrated it every year, and the meal of Passover becomes communion. And so it's really important to our faith to understand what that's all about. After that, on Friday, we have a a powerful Good Friday service. We're going to talk about why Jesus died on the cross is a very good thing, and Josh is going to preach that, and he's going to have a great word, and and you don't want to miss that, that celebration of of darkness. And then... um, From that moment, we're going to have a prayer vigil that you can sign up for so that people are praying from the end of the Good Friday service all the way up to the sunrise service. And then on Saturday, we have the Spring Fling, which I want all of you guys to attend and invite your friends and neighbors. It's a great outreach. We're getting known in our community for these events that we do, and we do it to love on our community, but also to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. And that's on Saturday. And then, of course, we have sunrise service at 645 and then Easter service. So each of you have these in your GPS. These are not for you. What I want you to do is to make a commitment today to take these and give it to somebody. Give it to a friend, a neighbor, someone that you think would benefit. Of course, everyone would benefit, but someone that you think needs to be a part of Rockbridge Church and invite them, invite them to come and, and worship with us and to experience all of these things because it just could be the invitation that changes their life. So I've been on probably 20 to 30 mission trips. At some point, I need to take it and add them up and see exactly how many I've been on. Last summer, we went on the CTCYM, the Central Texas Conference Youth Mission Trip to New Mexico. I got to go with Josh and the youth. And it was a great trip. However, there were some interesting moments on that trip. We, we had thought, you know, it's always fun to have a little bit of competition, right? And so all the work teams were in competition with each other all week on the games that we played during our program time, except a few people got a little too competitive and some feelings got hurt and uh, it got to the point where almost everyone just wanted to stop playing or in, in keeping track of the score because, uh, because people's feelings were getting hurt. And it caused tension between the two church groups. There were two groups there. There was Joshua and there were us. And, and there was a lot of tension between the two groups. 
Well, each day, whoever won, we gave out a hammer. And then that group that won could decorate the hammer as kind of an opportunity to brag that they won the games and then bring it back the next day. And so throughout the week, it kept getting larger and people added more to it. And what was really fascinating was that on the last day, the team that won the last competition, this is what they did with the cross. I took a picture of it. They took, instead of just decorating it in their own team's colors, they went and they decorated in everybody's colors. And they took what had been a long board and added the cross piece so it got fashioned into a cross. And I was just thinking, what an amazing story of forgiveness and redemption. Here we had two groups that were at odds with each other because of this competition that we had. We didn't mean it, right, Josh? We thought we were just having fun. Um, But it caused this tension. And then they used the very symbol, that hammer of that tension, and transformed it into a cross, the sign of forgiveness. You know, this sermon this morning is one of those that you really need to pay attention to because you just may need to hear it. Because I don't know if you're in a place where you have never accepted God's forgiveness, you need to hear this sermon this morning. Or maybe you're in a place where you are someone who is forgiven and redeemed and you're like Joy uh, is talking about and you're carrying around those bricks of unforgiveness, either for yourself or for other people. Forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts the church gives us. It can bring two conflicting communities together, united in one through the cross. And ultimately, that's what Jesus did for us on that cross, right? He came into Jerusalem and allowed himself to be crucified so that we could receive forgiveness from God. One of Josh's favorite uh, people right now is a guy named Ravi Zacharias. He's a, a great author, Christian author and speaker, apologist for the church. But you know, he grew up as an atheist in India. And uh, he tried to commit suicide. And one of the, the Christian workers gave his mom a Bible and, and said, read the book of John to him. And, and this is what he said. I also have John 14, 19 on the screen. They got to this part and he heard these words from Jesus, because I live, you will live also. So soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will live. And he started praying. He's like, Jesus, I want that abundant life. I want to truly live in a way that I have never lived before. And at that moment, he dedicated his life to Jesus. And it completely changed the direction of his life. He accepted the forgiveness of his sins. He accepted his salvation in Jesus. And this is a quote that he says about forgiveness. One of the most staggering truths of Scripture is to understand that we do not earn our way to heaven. Works have a place. But as a demonstration of having received God's forgiveness, not as a badge of merit or having earned it. One of the most staggering truths of Scripture is that Jesus forgives us from our sins. We don't have to carry that around anymore. We say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That also means we have to say we believe that sin is a reality. And I I talk about this affair often because I think it's incredibly important. We understand that sin is real and sin is true. And we only have to walk outside these doors. Shoot, we probably don't even have to walk outside these doors sometimes because we see sin in our relationship with each other inside the walls of the church. But we walk outside the walls of this place and we see sin writ large in our society. Sin is 
obvious. We know that it is a reality. And so we desperately need to say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, and I believe in Jesus who delivers us from those sins. Forgiveness of sins is one of the most essential and important parts of living the life abundant and the life everlasting of the Christian faith. Our first scripture today comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and this is what it says. This is the message that we have heard. God is, no, God is light, and there is no darkness at all. Now, this is claiming that God is light, and if there is no darkness, that you and I, as followers of Jesus, cannot have darkness inside of us. If we, complain, if we claim we have fellowship with him and we live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from every sin. But if we claim we do not him, sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Even us as followers of Jesus have sin and sin is a reality in our life even though we have been freed from that slavery to sin and death. We still do it. But this is, the, this is such good news. Listen. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from everything we have done wrong. But if we claim we have not, never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, we talk about sin. The definition of sin is missing the mark. That we are called to be obedient to God and we are literally enslaved to sin before we have Jesus. I had Joy and Chaz, you know, they have this ranch out in, only a little mess. They have this ranch out in Bastrop. So I was like, do you have any heavy chains? I really want people to see what this is, what we're talking about. So when we sin, this is, this is what it is. It's like we have this heavy chain that is on us. And we are slaves. We are slaves to sin and death. And what Jesus did is when he came and he died on the cross for our sins, he, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. That sin is taken away. It's no longer held against us. We cast off the chains. But you know one of the sad things about faith is? Even us, as we follow Jesus, we start to do this. Start to have pride in who we are. We start to envy what our neighbor has. Maybe we get a little bit greedy and I find ourselves chaining ourselves back to slavery and sin and death. And that is why this scripture is so important. So we need to receive the forgiveness from sin when we give our life to Christ. But even as followers of Jesus, we need to daily confess our sins. And this is what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse us from everything we have done wrong. But it says, if we claim we have never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So how important is this? We are called to repent. That word literally means that we are walking away from God and we have to turn around and start walking towards God our Savior. And if we try to act as Christians that we don't sin, we're lying. We know that each and every one of us struggle with this on a daily basis. We're human. We believe that we are moving on to perfection, not that we are there. 
that we're going to make mistakes. But thank God that we have a Father in heaven and a Son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world so that we wouldn't have to carry these heavy burdens of sin anymore. So when we talk about I believe in the forgiveness of sins, it means that we believe that Jesus defeated death and sin and slavery to sin and death once and for all. That's already defeated. We're the ones that pick up the chains. We're the ones that put them on our head again. Nobody else. But if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us because he is faithful and just. There's a second part of forgiveness that's almost as important. So just as God forgives us, we are called to forgive one another. In fact, in fact, Jesus tells us if we do not forgive one another, we will not be forgiven. This is how important this is. Matthew chapter 18, I love this parable. I'm going to read the whole thing even though it's a little bit long. I love this parable because Jesus gets right to the truth of the matter. This is what he says. Chapter 18, starting with verse 21. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Seven's a lot, right? That seems like a lot to me. Someone hurts you seven times and you forgive them seven times, that's a lot. Jesus said, not seven times, but rather as many as 77 times, or really just saying a really big number. He's saying keep doing it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, my little note here, it says, this is 10,000 talents are equal to the wages for 60 million days. The servant owed him wages for 60 million days. What does that mean? It's unrepayable. It is a debt that he could not repay. 60 million days. Um, But the servant fell down and kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I will pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. This is what Jesus did for us. We have a debt that is unpayable and Jesus forgives it. And then let's see what the servant does. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me. I'll pay you back. He refused. And he threw him into prison. Now, he owed him a significant amount, 100 days worth of money, which is a lot. You know, it's about a third of a year, about a third of your salary. That's a big deal. But he had him thrown in jail. But when his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that had happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guards responsible for punishing prisoners until he paid the whole debt. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. In the Lord's Prayer we say, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This relationship with God where we are forgiven, where we are redeemed, is meant to have an outward response. The cross 
goes vertical to God, and then it reaches out to our neighbor, right? We cannot claim to be forgiven and then hold unforgiveness in our heart when someone wrongs us. And these are not minor infractions. A hundred days labor is not a minor amount. This is someone who's betrayed you. This is someone who has hurt you, who, who has crushed you. Maybe they have abused you physically or sexually or verbally, or maybe they have stolen from you. Maybe you were in a relationship and you've gotten divorced and you're just holding anger at all the things that that person has done towards you. I understand. I have a friend who we were really close. We lived together. We worked together. There was an accusation that he had done something. He told me, David, I didn't do it. And I went to bat for him. I went to the family and said he would never do this, only to find out a few months later that he was doing the very thing that he lied to my face about. Still to this day, I struggle with forgiving him. Still to this day. But we have to do it. We have to forgive one another. If we're going to be truly human, if we're going to be a part of this world that Jesus imagines, we have to practice forgiveness. We have to let it go. And really, it's for you. It's just what Joy was talking about. If we practice unforgiveness, we're just carrying those bricks around with us everywhere we go, and it's this heavy baggage, and it weighs us down, and and God wants us to live life and live it abundantly. And how can we do that when we are weighed down with unforgiveness? And I think one of the big issues that people have with this is we misunderstand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is one way. God forgave you. You didn't do anything. God forgave you a massive debt that you could never pay. When people hurt you, you forgive them. That is something you give and say, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. Now, that is not the same as forgetting and letting that person hurt you in the same way again. This is one of the big mistakes we make. We're like, oh, if I'm in an abusive relationship, I have to forgive my husband or my wife who's abusing me and I have to go back into it over and over again. No, you do not. If someone is hurting you, do not go back into that relationship. Do not let that person hurt you again. That is not what God wants, now or forever. That's reconciliation. And reconciliation requires both parties coming together and changing their ways. So do not stay in a relationship where someone's harming you just because you think that God calls you to forgive. What we're talking about is do not desire harm or bad things to come to the person who has hurt you. If we want forgiveness from God, Jesus says you've got to practice forgiveness with one another. What might the world look look like if we practiced forgiveness and reconciliation instead of retribution and violence? The third aspect of this that I wanted to share with you is that sometimes we have a really hard time believing we deserve to be forgiven. I understand it. There's a lot of times I don't feel worthy. There's a lot of times where I think I don't deserve to be forgiven. Anybody else ever feel that way? And yet, what God says is that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Or Romans 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love toward us. God says you are worthy. You are worth it. So much so that God was willing to become human and go to the cross for you so that you could be reconciled to God. The belief that we are unworthy to be forgiven by either our neighbor or by God is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You 
are loved, you are worthy, and you are valuable in God's sight. And this is how valuable God says you are. God would rather have your life than 60 million days worth of wages. That you are more valuable than an incalculable sum. Now we humans say, we'll put a value on life, right? 100 days wages, that's the value of life. God says you are more valuable than any amount of gold. You are more valuable than even the life of his only son that he was willing to go to the cross for you. Receive God's forgiveness. Receive forgiveness for one another and it will change your life. The world needs forgiveness It's one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is to receive and give forgiveness. Imagine the world being a little more loving. Imagine the world being a little more forgiven. Imagine the world not having to carry these heavy chains of envy and pride and lust and violence and hate anymore. I think it'd be a much better place to live. So as the people of God receive the forgiveness that God has for you, Receive God's forgiveness. Say yes to God. Whether you're saying yes for the first time or you're saying yes because you just made a few mistakes and you need to be cleansed of your sins. And then share it. Share it out of God's abundance because there is no end to God's mercy and there should be no end to your mercy. And then let us see what the world looks like when we practice that forgiveness. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.